This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. We're all kind of getting over our holiday weekend. The weather has been pretty amazing here in the Pacific Northwest, as it usually always is post-July 4th. Justin, I know you in particular have got kind of a busy schedule going on and some exciting things happening. We do, yeah. So today's Saturday. We're one week out from the opening of our new distillery on Capitol Hill. It's going to open next Saturday, July 20. And uh, we're very excited. It's been a long time coming. And uh, the build-out of the space is fantastic. Uh, The equipment's been installed for a little while. Staff's been hired and trained. And just happens that we're opening on the same weekend as Capitol Hill Block Party, which is a huge event. uh, That's pretty perfect. We expect to get quite a bit of foot traffic yeah that's i'll be out there on friday night to, to see uh, my friend's band it's always a great event and and capitol hill after opening your ballard location earlier this year just really expanding your seattle presence yeah well we find that people are thirsty and, uh, <laughs> we try and find the, the neighborhoods where they live and then move into those neighborhoods and help share our experience with them at the local level doing your part pretty cool speaking of doing your part you guys also have the cool partnership with pearl jam that we mentioned a few weeks ago but what's the update on that well yeah we're just honored that the band through their vitology foundation approached us to partner on the home shows Uh, those two concerts are coming to uh, safeco field august 8th and 10th and the band and the partnerships that they've amassed are trying to raise uh, well over a million dollars to help uh, address some of the direct issues uh, created homelessness. And uh, so we've set aside up to 10,000 bottles of a very cool, uh, specially labeled Pearl Jam labeled bottle of DSB. And it's available on our webpage and in our tasting room uh, locations. And we're starting to uh, really sell a lot of bottles online and a lot of pre-sales. And we'll be having pickup parties at all of our Washington distilleries August 7th through the 12th for people who are coming to town to the concert that will be able to go to Ballard or Capitol Hill to pick up their uh, limited edition bottles. And our goal is to try and raise $200,000 to help uh, contribute to the effort. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, the response has been tremendous, and uh, the band's very supportive of it. And, of course, BSB wins awards all over the world, and so to be partnered now with uh, Pearl Jam on that is uh, just an honor. And... The bottles are going fast, so if people want access, uh, they go to heritagedistilling.com and uh, look for the Pearl Jam labeled bottles, and we'll get them set up. Perfect. Well, we'll look forward to those pickup parties. In the meantime, what's going on in the headline? Well, interesting. uh, As World Cup soccer comes to an end, the news is talking about a a European-wide shortage of carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is necessary to carbonate beer and soda and other things. And there have been maintenance issues with some of the main plants that produce it. And so they actually have been running out of beer in some parts of Europe just when World Cup was hitting its stride. So our friends at Carlsberg came up with a caviar made of beer Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Carlsberg is the sponsor of the Danish football team. Uh, they made it through to the final 16. And then they thought it would be fun to make a caviar made from beer to give soccer fans a taste of Russia, since Russia hosted the games this year. And over the last couple of years, they said there had been uh, a trend within the molecular gastronomy uh, to develop artificial caviar from natural ingredients with all kinds of flavors. And so they stress that the caviar actually helps fans consume alcohol in moderation. And it's a combination of, uh, has a texture of fish eggs, but presumably the taste of beer. And of course, it's paying tribute to the uh, culinary traditions of the host country of Russia. It's impressive. Molecular gastronomy at its best. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then our friend, Mead is making a comeback. Uh, mm -hmm. Mead is not just a high school over in Spokane, Washington. It is the famous beer of the Vikings, uh, once beloved by the Vikings. It's now the subject of a forum in Birmingham over in the UK, and the renaissance of Mead is now upon us. Apparently they're saying this is becoming more popular now because of Game of Thrones. I actually didn't remember it featured in there. I watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't know that they focused on the fact that it was Mead. They just were always drinking wine. I mean, the amount of alcohol consumed in Game of Thrones uh, is um, quite impressive. Uh, now, historically, the amount of alcohol consumed way back when, in all sorts of times, was quite high because the safety of uh, drinking water, uh, we didn't have sanitation back then like we do now, and so alcohol was a way of sanitizing water, and uh, that's how people got a lot of the liquid content in daily intake. Mead is made from fermented honey rather than apples or hops or fruit or something else. It's not a new product on the market. It's just a new category in terms of today's consumer looking for uh, a new way to uh, explore and experience their palate. I'm really excited about the cocktail side of it, the incorporations that that might have in the future. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, this article is talking about the classic twists on uh, a Negroni using rhubarb mead, mead espresso martinis. Uh, those are just a couple ways to explore the category. Mead is not cheap because uh, honey is not cheap and honey takes a long time to ferment and to ferment properly and cleanly. And so there's extra effort that has to go into it, especially to try and ramp it up on a commercial scale. Uh, there will be a challenge, and I, I don't expect that you're going to find the product will be cheap, but uh, the quality should be good because the people who are focused on it uh, in this category are probably going to be taking the right steps to make it be as high quality as possible. And we'd love people to get their hands on mead and then uh, be creative in the cocktails and post them, uh, share them with us on Cast Club Radio on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, yes. Finally, in the news this week, uh, we all bowed our heads for tragedy in Kentucky when the Barton 1792 distillery lost 9,000 barrels in uh, one of its warehouses where half of it collapsed. And then, two weeks later, the other half of the warehouse collapsed. So a total of 18,000 oh barrels in this massive warehouse collapsed, seven stories tall. And at one point, they were concerned about the whiskey escaping out of the barrels and leaching into the nearby rivers and streams. But they assured the uh, environmental folks there in Kentucky that they had put the proper barriers in place and no risk to the fish. But still, there are a lot of people a lot of angels now who are thirsty because they won't be able to get their hands on the whiskey from the <laughs> angel share from that whiskey. Yeah, wow. Well, if they're even if they are uh, predicting that nine thousand of these eighteen thousand barrels—that's half half of that—which would have a huge impact, I could imagine, on their business. Oh well, just 
figure that at the wholesale rate for the quality of product they have, that at a minimum, a barrel for them is worth about $5,000 in wholesale sales times 9,000. You're talking about a lot of money, a lot of money. Uh, operation of that scale uh, will probably have pretty good insurance to cover that loss. They're predicting right now that it was just, you know, a building issue. I mean, the warehouse was built in the 1940s and maybe it was just that. It sounds like, well, thankfully nobody was injured and there's no foul play, hopefully, here. No, these buildings are huge. Uh, I mean, think about something the size of Costco, but seven stories tall, filled with just tens of thousands of barrels of whiskey, each one of them weighing five to 600 pounds, plus wow. the load of the uh, shelving and the building itself. So it's quite a heavy load, lots of liquid, and just one of those flukes. They've got multiple warehouses. They'll be fine, but uh, I imagine it was loud when this oh, thing was collapsing. Yeah. <laughs> quite a ruckus. Coming up next on Cast Club Radio, if you're a wine lover like most of us and you still need, I don't know, a few late summer vacation ideas, we've got the perfect combination for you. Airbnb places that combine uh, your love for vacationing with your love of wine. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for being with us on this fine Saturday. And we're pretty well into summer at this point. Uh, have you guys had a chance to take a summer vacation yet? Yeah, in fact, we just wrapped up yesterday. We were over in Crescent Bar in central Washington mm-hmm. down near Quincy. Spent some time on the Columbia River. And uh, yesterday it hit 100 degrees down there. Beautifully blue, sunny skies. That's not so bad if you're by the water, but that's pretty hot if you're not. Got yeah, by the water. <laughs> Yeah. Is that a family tradition or just trying something new this year? Well, we think it'll become a family tradition. It's a very cool location. Oh, perfect. Starting a new tradition. How about you, Maura? I've done a quick trip to Vegas last month. little three-day weekend. That was it so far. Nice. I've got one coming up at the end of August, taking a uh, baseball a baseball trip to, uh, to Memphis, Nashville, and St. Louis to watch both Major League and AAA AAA baseball, so it'll be pretty fun. Very fitting for the girl who couldn't wait for pitchers and catchers report date. Woo! It's the most romantic day of the year, you guys, February 14th. In the meantime, if you're still looking to plan your summer vacation or you you need a couple ideas, and let's say you're a wine lover because you listen to this show and you love beer, wine, and spirits, well, we've got a good combination of the two for you. We found this list from the drinksbusiness.com by Lauren Eads. It's got some of the most stunning wine estate listings on Airbnb. So have you guys used Airbnb before? It's pretty simple. I've browsed it. We have. I haven't actually yeah, booked anything yet. You have, Justin? We've used it to stay in overnight accommodations, kind of one-offs, but we're planning a major family trip next year to Italy, and we've been looking at some of the amazing Airbnbs. You can get mansions for about 120 bucks a night with private pools and wow. uh, the whole spread, just huge, huge overseas opportunities with Airbnb, so we're very excited. Yeah, it's pretty cool. When I went on my solo road trip for three weeks, I used a lot of Airbnb places along the way and stayed in some interesting a converted water tower was my was the, the probably the coolest place. But Airbnb has a lot of interesting renovated places, and now you can stay on a wine estate, which sounds pretty pretty awesome to me. We pulled together a handful of pretty amazing properties from around the world that you can stay on the property, and the property happens to be functioning vineyards and wineries, and so you get the best of both worlds. Tour the vineyard, drink the wine, and don't drive anywhere because you're going to crash on mm-hmm. the pad at the winery. 
Well, the first one on our list uh, comes from Margot Bordeaux in France. It's Chateau Marjalia, which looks pretty much, it's the higher end, uh, I would say, right? Looks like a castle. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a castle. It is enormous. The building alone is enormous, and it reminds me of something that Napoleon would have designed and mm. built. <laughs> yes. They have a Grecian hall. And uh, I, I would love to go walk through that Grecian hall and see what they've done to make the hall Grecian. <laughs> I would assume, you know, big columns, high ceilings. <laughs> Maybe some sculptures Marble. with, uh, you know, nude subjects. The winery is four hectares, and it has Cabernet, Sauvignon grapes, and Merlot grapes. And then um, they describe their Medoc as a garage wine, so... Uh, the fact that it's only been around since 1999 um, and they're talking about some of the wines of the garage wine tells me that this would probably be a cool place to go hang out and talk to the owners. They're probably not too stuffy. Absolutely. Although yeah, for as fancy as it looks. <laughs> yeah. A little closer to home, we found a very cool uh, environmentally inspired winery called Straw Bale House. And it's West uh, Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. And uh, Mara, you picked out something that was interesting that uh, kind of piqued your interest on this house. Well, yeah, it says it's very eco-friendly. It's an organic vineyard, but they built the walls with bales of straw that are 16 inches thick to keep the house cool in the summer as opposed to using air conditioning. Which yeah, it's- so that is a technique from the old days to fill the walls with bales of hay because it is a good insulator. And these folks are taking the lead and following that because the house was just built in 2011. And it's near Okanagan Mountain Park, and the, the pictures are just stunning. And uh, it's within a, a few-hour drive of folks here in western Washington to be able to go up and enjoy that. Yeah, it seems like if you want something a little more simple than the castle that we just talked about, this is a very yeah. beautiful kind of down-to-earth, eco-friendly place. It wasn't well, the only uh, place in Canada to make the list. Another vineyard, the Apple Grove Farmhouse that you can stay at in Naramata, Okanagan, British Columbia... Another one that seems like it would be pretty darn scenic because uh, you are on the Okanagan Lake there and uh, you can explore all of the region's wineries and it's set within an apple orchard, which really appeals to me. <laughs> and they raise bees on the farm. So you can ask them to help you make and, some meat. Uh, you guys know how much I love bees it, and how I eventually want to uh, want to own some. So yes, Absolutely. I did not know that. Did you and, know that, uh, We didn't talk about this before. Colony collapse disorder is no. a real problem, you guys. I want to own bees someday. <laughs> not to mention, they, right. do, they do beautiful things for your garden and your neighbor's garden. So, yeah. Well, Continue. I found something this week. It's timely. It's a beehive that is glass encased that you actually attach to the wall of your home. And it has an opening so the bees can fly outside, go collect the pollen, come in, and you can watch them through glass doing their deeds inside the luxury of your own home. Christmas present for Lydia. Hey, hey, you can start dreaming <laughs> there now. Go. There you go. If you want something a little warmer, then you'll head down to Vacaville, California, the Mountain Top Vineyard Getaway. It's set atop the mountain in Vacaville. It's an isolated four-bedroom villa set within the grounds of a boutique farm and winery, and it's within spitting distance of California's wine country. It comes with access to a pool. It's surrounded by vineyards and lavender fields. But that tells me if they had honeybees, they'd have lavender-flavored honey, and uh, that would be They'll probably make outstanding mead. Uh, but Blockville, California, it'll be very hot because, uh, especially if you go this time of year, because they are undergoing a major heat wave. And if the grapes hang on, the 
crop will be phenomenal within about three years in the bottle. I just want to set up a tour and go on all of these so that you can taste how the different wine tastes in these different environments and temperatures. Well, why don't we look at Primo Sant'Emilia Villa on a wine estate in the Provincia di Cantina, Sicilia, Italy. Did you sneak this one on here because this is where you're vacation planning? It sounds like it would be perfect for what your family's uh, wanting to do. Well, it's set on the volcanic island of Sicily. The villa can accommodate up to 16 guests with six bedrooms, six bathrooms, a private pool, views of the surrounding vineyards, Mount Etna, and the Gulf of Campania. During harvest, guests are invited to participate in the picking of the grapes should they wish. Now, if you were there, would you wish to help in picking the grapes? Yeah, why not? Part of the experience, Absolutely. right? You got to understand the labor to to fully appreciate the love. And uh, my guess is I haven't looked at the pricing on this, but just knowing what we've seen, you could probably get this entire estate for less than 300 bucks a night on Airbnb, which wow. is an amazing deal if you think about the cost of uh, traditional lodging. Pretty yeah. incredible. Even just a hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> That's not that bad for that large of we don't have time to go through all of the Airbnb vineyard and wine estates that we found, but we will post them on Cash Club Radio with the links and some of the images and the descriptions. And if you're looking for an interesting place to go, we're going to show you the path to enjoy wine, weekend, and vacations. And actually, one of the options is right in our own backyard in the Beacon Hill Winery and Vineyard, which is close to the Portland, Oregon area. And next on Cast Club Radio, we're going to talk to Carla Rodriguez, who is the estate manager and owner. And she's going to tell us what it is like to stay on a vineyard. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we're joined by Carla Rodriguez, who has many job titles, owner of Beacon Hill Winery and Vineyard, though, and also operates the Beacon Hill House through Airbnb and VRBO. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us, Carla. Thank you, Lydia. I'm really happy to be here. You have a pretty incredible story behind how you became a vineyard and winery owner. Can you can you tell us a little of the backstory? Sure. So it's really not super interesting. I, I kind of did it the old-fashioned way. I, I married into it. Um, <laughs> my husband and his family have been in the Oregon wine industry uh, for about 20 years, mainly on the farming side, because after all, wine starts starts in the vineyard with, with good farming. But a few years ago, my husband and I stumbled upon a beautiful property in the Yamhill-Carlton area of the Willamette Valley. And we fell in love, and it seemed to be the natural progression from not only farming, but actually uh, making wine and, and selling it through our tasting room. And, and yeah, so we purchased it from a gentleman from, uh, from Romania, and uh, it just so happened that I had spent a few years in Romania myself when I was in the Peace Corps. So all these different parts of my life kind of came together for, for us to have the property. So you literally saw it and were inspired by it. We did. We saw it. We were inspired by it. And um, he was in a position where uh, he wanted to sell. And we were in a position where we could actually buy. And six months later, we had the keys and started started our own little winery. A little passion project. I like it. Well, well, having been in the Peace Corps, obviously, you have an incredible background. But how did you get into wine specifically? Is that something you always wanted to pursue? Or was it just because, you know, you married into it? You know, it definitely started as marrying into it. 
Uh, my husband is definitely a, a wine snob when we first started dating. <laughs> the joke was that I, d- I couldn't really tell the difference between any wine you'd put in front of me. But throughout our years of being together, I now can tell the difference between kind of what I like as far as wine. So, yeah, I mean, it started with, with my husband kind of showing me his passion for growing and uh, cultivating and really being really good stewards uh, of the land. Uh, he, he now has about 18 harvests under his belt. Wow. Uh, he moved out to, to Oregon specifically for, for vineyards. And then it's, it's kind of turned into more than that. It's turned into not only making the wine, but, you know, being able to sell it uh, directly to a lot of folks who visit us in our tasting room and then uh, hosting folks in our two vacation rentals on the property, one being a small little cabin that sits atop of the vineyard and then a larger three-bedroom home um, that sits kind of towards the base of the vineyard. So it all kind of wraps into hosting and mm-hmm. and sharing with people the the property and the beautiful views. And most everybody's in a good in a good mood because you know they're <laughs> drinking wine and they're looking at a beautiful landscape. Yeah, it's hard to be in a bad mood when you when you've got those things in front of you. You mentioned being stewards of the land, and we talk a lot on the podcast uh, about the Pacific Northwest in terms of. Your time in Oregon, what have you learned about the environment or the land specifically that creates or is special to that region when it comes to producing wine? Oh, my goodness. There's so much to be said. Um, What I've been really impressed with with Oregon is that uh, it actually has some of the strictest land use laws in the nation. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of uh, a lot of protection of green spaces a lot of uh, requirements as far as what you can and cannot do on vineyard land and on agricultural land, and also a lot of protection of our of our waterways, uh, which makes obviously Oregon and, and, and most of the Pacific Northwest just a beautiful place, uh, and we want to keep it that way. And so we, we do our part. We try to do our part. Uh, all of our vineyards are live certified. Uh, for those of you that are not as familiar with, with that certification, it ensures that there's pretty minimal inputs into the vineyard uh, farming practices. And it's also considered salmon safe so that nothing is spilling into streams that are nearby the property. So we're really proud of that. And and we certainly want to make sure that the vineyard is producing for many, many years to come uh, for for others to enjoy, for our kids to be there and and, and farm it themselves when they're older. Yeah, it's it's kind of the gift. If you give to the land, it definitely gives back. What are some of the great wines that you produce at Beacon Hill? We make several varietals. Um, So obviously, being in uh, the Willamette Valley, we have uh, Pinot Noir, which is our largest uh, production. Uh, We have several clones of uh, Pinot Noir. We have Vadensville, Tamard, and Dijon. We also have some Chardonnay and some Riesling. Mm. And most recently, we planted a different varietal. We kind of tried something a little fun. Uh, We have a varietal of Albarino, uh, which isn't as common here in the Willamette Valley, although some of the producers in Southern Oregon have started working with it. And we, we like it because it's a nice, white, crisp wine, uh, fairly known in the northern parts of Spain and Portugal, that, who actually share a similar climate as, as us here in, in, in the Willamette Valley. So we're excited to, to see what that will look like. We just planted it in about three or four years. We'll see. We'll give you a call and let you know how it hey, turned out. Good. I do. I love Alvarino. It's a good summer wine, too. You have a, a new Chardonnay release right now going on, don't you? We do. We are actually bottling our 2017 Chardonnay uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll be releasing it in our tasting room. 
and we're really, really excited about it. It's uh, all farmed by my husband and all processed in our winery and labeled right there on site. And we'll be able to share that with uh, all of the folks that come and visit us at the tasting room probably early August. Uh, and it's, it's really great. I just tried it out of the tank the other day. And it's crisp and it's bright. And anyway, I could drink it. I could drink it all day long, but I don't. I won't be doing that. <laughs> so people can taste all of these different varietals when they come to your tasting room. But if they want a little more immersive experience, they can also stay on the property. And you've got two different options. Can you tell us a little bit about each of those? Sure, sure. So we've got. Uh, we were blessed with the fact that the uh, the property has two wonderful homes on it. We cannot take credit for the beautiful architecture that was done by the original owner. The first the first one is the cabin. We call it affectionately the Beacon Hill Cabin. Mm-hmm. And it enjoys the best views on the vineyard. It sits at the very top of the vineyard and it has the entire vineyard at its feet uh, and it swoops all the way down to the to, to the broader view of the valley. So it's the sunsets are gorgeous. It has a large wraparound deck, uh, perfect for watching the sunset and grilling and enjoying that glass of wine. Um, it's a very cozy cabin. It's got an upstairs bedroom with 360-degree views of the vineyard. It's oh, windows wow. uh, all around, and it's got a really nice uh, wood-burning chimney for kind of the chillier nights. And then we've also put in a fire pit in the back, uh, which is uh, a bit of a wooded area. So once you finish taking in the views and the sunset, you can walk to the back of the cabin and have an open fire and kind of listen for for the birds and the wildlife Mm -hmm. at night. So that's the cabin. And then the house sits at the bottom of the vineyard, and that's a much larger uh, space that's best for families or for folks traveling with more more people. And it's a very open plan. It's got a really great uh, gourmet chef kitchen fully stocked. It's got a great back patio for grilling. It's got a great uh, grape arbor with a picnic table underneath it and a huge lawn where folks enjoy lawn games. Um, and it also has a great views of the vineyard. When did you start uh, When did you start with Airbnb and VRBO in terms of uh, renting out these places? We started in 2012. Uh, so we actually have been renting for a number of years. At the time, vacation sites like Airbnb were barely getting started. Mm -hmm. And so I was happy to kind of jump on board and be part of the first uh, community of folks on Airbnb. And it's just been wonderful. It's been really a great kind of way to put your property out there and connect with folks from all over the country and all over the world. We've had guests stay with us uh, from all over. And we actually have had many engagements and proposals and celebrations that have taken place at the cabin. And we actually have a couple that has been there every single summer since we listed it. So they just completed their sixth visit. They came in as uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and then they came back as husband and wife. And then just most recently, they came back with their one-year-old little boy. So it's it's been really it's been really um, great to watch that. And I saw on the site that you actually can accommodate weddings at Beacon Hill as well, right? We do. We uh, we host events, and we're proud to say we have uh, several uh, weddings that we've done uh, this year so far, and we've got many more to go in August uh, and September of this year. So yeah, so many more events will be enjoyed at Beacon Hill. That sounds wonderful. Well, Carla, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and to tell us about Beacon Hill and make Maura and I really want to drive out there. Come to the tasting room. Yes. Come on anytime. We'll be happy to host you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you.
Up next on Cast Club Radio, we've got a great summer cocktail recipe for you, plus a local event that also does a lot of good in the community. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We've got a great cocktail recipe for you here in a minute. But first, we want to mention that Heritage Distilling, they're involved in a lot, but you're involved in a pretty awesome event going on right now over this weekend, Crave Northwest. Yeah, the Crave Northwest event is over in Spokane. We uh, interviewed Adam Hegstead, the founder, a few weeks ago about this event. It happens to be that we are currently right in the middle of it because it runs from July 12th through the 15th. It's a four-day extravaganza of food, culinary education, beer, wine, cocktails. It's a chance to meet the makers, get samples, eat lots of tremendous food, interact with the chefs, and uh, all to raise money for a good cause. Yeah, Crave Northwest benefits Second Harvest Inland Northwest and Spokane Valley Partners, Fighting Hunger, Feeding Hope. Second Harvest brings community resources together to feed people in need through empowerment, education, and partnerships. Spokane Valley Partners provides food, clothing, and other basic needs to low-income families and offers a helping hand to those making every effort to carve a stronger path to a brighter tomorrow by empowering them to achieve and sustain self-sufficiency. So not only do you uh, get to eat and drink fabulous things from local vendors and support your local community, but you do it for a great cause. That's right. And we have a team going over there. We've got a booth. We're, we're honored to have been invited to participate again. Uh, so it's the second year for us. And just going to show the good people of the inner Northwest over in Spokane and the surrounding areas uh, some of our products. And I can tell you, having grown up in Spokane, it's great to see this kind of outreach and the culinary experience coming together. And even as Adam, uh, the founder, talked about a few weeks ago, seeing the cool food stuff that's happening in Spokane is inspiring because it's not just confined to big cities like Seattle, Portland, Denver, Chicago, but um, everybody wants access to good, interesting, uh, locally made food, and uh, it's it's hitting in the, in the interior part of the state. It's awesome. Yeah, I loved when we talked to him about uh, the grassroots effort of how it's grown over the years and how many people have wanted to be involved, and then also the fact that the Pacific Northwest, we really are very spoiled. We maybe sometimes take it for granted, but that we have uh, access to, we grow so, so many amazing things right in this area. We have fresh seafood. We have we're we're spoiled, and so a lot of a lot of those uh, resources are featured at Crave Northwest. That's right. You're gonna be heading over to Spokane. Go to CraveNW.com, and you can get tickets. And uh, there's lots of great stuff still to see, taste, and consume, and all for a good cause. Yet going on just today, there is the grand tasting where you can sample dozens of food from purveyors, wineries, and then drinks from wineries, breweries, distilleries. They also have something called fire and smoke going mm-hmm. on today. That's sounds a good. barbecue extravaganza is what it's <laughs> listed as. That sounds amazing to me. Yeah. And there's even an after party from 9 to 11.30. There is a DJ. They are going to have a dance mix. You can take fun photos with all your friends and your favorite chefs because we also are very blessed in this community to have a lot of really passionate, awesome chefs. And you can go party with them at Crave Northwest after party tonight. Who doesn't like that? Awesome. Uh, in the meantime, this this week's cocktail recipe, if you can't make it out to Crave Northwest and you just want to make something delicious at home, uh, Justin, what's up on this week's cocktail recipe? Well, you know, we're looking at all those amazing Airbnbs with the vineyards and the wineries and um, just knowing 
what's going on with Crave Northwest and all the great wines that are made here in Washington. We decided to come up with a wine cocktail, and it includes three ingredients. It's our Elk Rider Vodka, which is distilled from corn, and we get our corn from Central Washington, a local product. Five ounces of lemonade and two to three ounces of Cabernet Red. And they're going to make it in a large pitcher filled with ice. Pour in uh, per serving two ounces of vodka, five ounces of lemonade, and again, two to three ounces of red wine. Treat it like a sangria. Pour it in a pitcher and pour it out among your friends and keep refilling that pitcher because it's going to go down easy. I love that. They call me a cab cocktail. I love that because I feel like you, you get the refreshing summer drink vibe of a sangria but with a lot less effort that's right and if you want you could actually put some fresh bing cherries uh, or raspberries in there uh, or huckleberries if you've got access to them because the tartness will uh, uh, play off against the the vodka nicely and the color is amazing yeah i was gonna say it's one of those party party pleasers because not only does it look pretty uh, you can also make it for a big group my guess is everybody has in their closet or their bar or their pantry somewhere Cabernet wine, lemonade, and vodka. And uh, just have got the recipe for you. Perfect. I bet even with one of your flavored vodkas might be delicious as well. Absolutely. Our, my best flavored vodka is wine flavored vodka. We <laughs> well, that's perfect. As always, you can check out that recipe at heritagedistilling.com. Uh, any past recipes if you're just looking for some new cocktail ideas. And Justin mentioned it earlier on the show, but we love to see the final product that you make or if like Maura said if you put your own spin on it if you decide to add your own uh, twist to any of these recipes uh, post and tag Heritage Distilling in it so we can so we can talk about it one time eventually your Pinterest page has been taking off Justin yeah we average almost 50,000 average viewers a month now on average and uh, the beauty of Pinterest is people love the visuals the picture of the cocktails or the recipes and uh, the more and more people who pin an item the more it spreads and uh, then people see things that are interesting and they go try it at home and so pinterest is a great way to spread the word i can get lost you can also too long what's that i can get lost on pinterest for too long it's i can fall down a a black hole of creativity and great visuals (laughs) lots of rabbit trails so if you have uh, questions topics uh, suggestions comments Email us at castclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Facebook at Cast Club Radio. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And uh, if you're looking for one of those last-minute Pearl Jam-themed BSB bottles, go to heritagedistilling.com. Help us raise money for homelessness in Seattle. That's also another great cause. And hopefully we'll also see everybody out at your new Capitol Hill location because that's coming up just right around the corner. July 20th, uh, it's at 1201 10th Street, uh, about a block away from uh, the Silver Cloud Hotel and the IHOP, right up there in the same building as Lark. Make your way down there if you're at Capitol Hill Block Party. That's right. Come on down. Well, as always, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, Remember, enjoy, drink responsibly, and have a great week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.